Well, the most important cricket that can be played. I'd even include World Cups. It's the Ashes, it's got history, it's got authenticity, and it's got ball-by-ball commentary here on SENZ as well. Gets underway tomorrow night, 9 o'clock New Zealand time. Joining us now, former Australian cricketer himself, Trent Copeland, joins us. G'day, Trent. Morning, how are we going? We're very, very good. Um, Before we look forward, can we look back to the reaction in Australia of the result of the first test? Oh, I mean, I am still buzzing and haven't really come down from it, if I'm being (laughs) completely honest. Uh, And I'm sure, you know, what only added to that was the women's Ashes test last night. There was a thrilling finish. And, you know, if, if this is anything to go by, what a summer of cricket we're in for. Summer in England, as you mentioned. So, look, I am fascinated. I spoke on your show last week about if this is what Basball brings to the world of Test cricket, then I'm here for it. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think there's an element of delusion in some of the comments that I'm hearing coming out of the England camp about we feel like we, we basically won that Test match. Okay, I, I don't mind that thought process, but I think I'd rather be in Australia's camp uh, having the actual 1-0 scoreboard on their side. And, and while it's 1-0, <clears throat> a lot of people saying baseball didn't work. I I sort of think it it nearly worked. Yeah, well, I, look, I said exactly that last week. Look, I don't typically agree with everything that's coming out of that camp right now, but I totally agree with moving the game forward as an aggressive tactic. It's not all about the ramps and the reverse sweeps and all of this sort of stuff just with the bat. It is an overarching mindset that England are bringing into these test matches. And that early declaration on the first day played a large... I think you could say it is the only reason that you get to a situation on day five where a result is possible. Now, yes, they came out on the wrong side of that. But England put themselves risking losing to have the opportunity to win. And I think that's where they sit. And look, to be honest, I'm right behind that as a rationale. Uh, And I think, you know, to be honest, listening to the way the Aussies are talking about it, they're here for it too. And it's just thrilling to watch. Yeah, so much anticipation. And every test match is going to be like this. But before the Ashes series started, a lot of people felt the close test matches were the ones that England needed to win to to wrap their hands around that little urn. Um, and this was a close test match that they didn't win. Uh, ramifications of that, what do you feel, Trent? Yeah, look, I probably think... Look, before the series, I said that I thought it was going to be 3-2 to Australia and there was going to be maybe one test match where England just wiped the floor with Australia. <laughs> and, you know, they get 600 in a day and a half and they are just unstoppable. Well, that pitch last week was maybe one of those pitches at Edgbaston where I thought that might happen. Now, at Lords, I'm sure you've seen the images coming out of the pitch. It's much greener. Even if you tried to make Lords an absolute road, it would still do plenty for the bowlers. So I think this is just going to be a really different tempo test match. It's going to be a much more difficult, um, I guess, even contest between bat and ball, even in favour of the ball at times. So, yeah, look, I wouldn't say it's detrimental to England's chances, but, yeah, I think it's just going to make it more of an uphill road for them. And, yeah, they've got to to aim up day one of this test because if Australia gets ahead and they end up winning game two, boy, have they got some work to do. And will that test 
that theory of we don't care about scoreboards, we don't care about anything, <laughs> we just play free, aggressive mindset cricket. Well, if, you, if you're looking down the barrel of a lost Ashes series three games in, I wonder how they might go then. All the talk uh, before that first test was, will they stick with Boland or will they bring back Hazelwood? Uh, they, um, they brought them both back in. <laughs> yeah, uh, they did. And, and it, it worked, didn't it? I mean, it, it was unique and I thought maybe the wrong decision given the surface they played on to leave out someone like Mitchell Stark. But yeah, I mean, I didn't see it coming. And, you know, <laughs> what I did see was that Josh Hazelwood, I think, is one of the best three bowlers in test cricket in the world when he's healthy. So, mm. you know, I'm not surprised that he came back into the team and it's probably a tip of the cap to Scott Boland on what he's achieved in recent times. So... Yeah, I mean, it's anyone's guess what the team's going to be for Lords. Do you feel like they'll probably plump for start given Lords is a bit more bowler-friendly? I mean, he's supreme. If, if Hazelwood's in your top three, I'd suggest Mitch Stark gets somewhere near there as well. A hard man to leave out. Well, yeah, and Pat Cummins is right up there. So mm. it's, um, it's a difficult one. And what I do think is it's potentially a situation where uh, Cameron Green can probably come in as a frontline bowler in conditions like Lord's. It, it's, you know, seam presentation, the extra bounce he gets, and the use of the slope. So, look, I think it's it's up there as an equation for just what team balance they want to go with. One thing that, I mean, England, Ollie Robinson in particular, <laughs> who's copped a lot of uh, heat going his way this week, mentioned how thin the bottom order was for Australia. Look, they got it done in that match, which was fantastic to watch. Uh, but I wonder the batting of Mitchell Stark, does that come into the equation as well, given it's a bit more grassy surface and it's likely to be you know, not as many top-order runs. So, look, isn't it fascinating to sit on the fence and, and watch uh, from afar at what could happen? Because sitting in the selection chair might be difficult. How does the Lord's... The, the Lord's pitch and atmosphere behave in contrast to what they experienced in that first test? It's just very different in the sense that um, it, it brings a sense of aura and culture, Lords. You know, it doesn't matter what pitch you're playing on or what the, the occasion. Playing a test match at Lords is just one of those moments where you're on the edge of your seat. You don't know what will happen and the crowd is just, intricately aware of every ball and what it means Uh, and you know that can't be said for every venue in the world but this one in particular and then you add in the pitch the pitch is one of those wickets where if you understand the slope and if you can use it to your advantage players like broad and anderson just have this down pat um it it can be a real asset to you um but look it's the same for both sides and uh, what i will say is it's not going to be the atmosphere of the Hollies and Australia if they're down getting absolutely peppered on the boundary uh, it's much more traditional in that sense so what I think is we're just going to see the purest form of test cricket at the best level you're likely to see in the next two to three years so I'm so excited as I'm sure you can tell. Yes I can Um, we've talked about the bowling, the batting for Australia Uh, Marnus making a duck and 13, Steve Smith making 16 and 6, they're your 3 and 4 batters Uh, saved a little bit by Usman Travis Head as he's done so many times as well Um, I don't think places are under threat but they need improvement those two 
Well, if I'm the Australian camp, and particularly those two guys, I mean, I look at this as a real situation where we just won the first test and our two best players didn't score, you know, 40 runs combined. Mm. I mean, how great is that? You know, that we are able to win with, you know, our best players not necessarily contributing too much. Uh, that's how I would look at it. I would think to myself, look, these guys will find their way naturally. They just, they always do. So when that does happen, imagine how strong we're going to be, uh, I would say. And look, the natural tendency in sport is to talk about whose place is up for grabs and all that sort of stuff. And I think the bowling stuff is legitimate. Our batting lineup is as settled as it has been for a long time. I guess the only pressure would necessarily be on someone like David Warner. So look, that's, that's a different question and a different stage of his career and where things are at. But, yeah, look, if you're talking Marnus and Steve Smith, pure excitement at the upside that sits there on mm. top of our edge bastion performance would be where I sit. How big's the Australian squad that's available to the selectors for the Ashes series? I believe it is, oh, I don't know the exact number, somewhere between 15 and 17, um, that you've got the likes of Matt Renshaw and Marcus Harris sitting there on the sidelines, as well as Scott Boland, uh, who played the last match, who typically hadn't played in, in you know, full-strength Australian sides. And then you've got Michael Nisa and Sean Abbott, um, along with Todd Murphy as the spin bowling option. So, and, and then, of course, you've got Jimmy Pearson, who stepped in in the space of Josh Inglis, who's just ducked home. So, yeah, plenty of options there for Australia. And uh, certainly after that win last test match, I wouldn't be expecting much changes, that's for sure. I almost feel like this is a rhetorical question, but how embraced are the cricket sporting public when the Ashes is in England? Well, honestly, it, it is, it, despite being on the other side of the world at a really tricky time zone, it is immersed in Australian sport and culture. Mm. You know, we're in the middle of AFL, NRL, and it's, you know, coming towards finals time, that sort of stuff. But, I mean, when the Ashes games are on, it is intense. Everyone is watching and everyone's talking about it. Maybe that's just me and the circles I (laughs) frequent, but it's certainly what I see in the papers and things like that. So it's massive, and as it should be. I mean, I'm a cricket purist, but I love it. We love it too, and we're not even involved. We haven't even got a team involved. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way it should be, isn't it? I mean, elite level sport is for you know not only the contest but the viewer, and that, and that is you know irrespective of where you come from. And being a neutral fan sometimes creates even more enjoyment. You do, you're literally just there to enjoy the contest. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, Trent, great catch, catching up with you, great chatting to you, and uh, rest assured there'll be a lot of Kiwi eyes watching all of these Ashes tests along with uh, our trans-Tasman neighbours. Yeah, good on you. Thanks very much. Go the Aussies. <laughs> yeah, oi, oi, oi. Trent Copeland there out of Australia.